Folks, welcome back to a brand new season of the Run to Run podcast. Tonight we're going to be talking marathons, micro-adventures. We have the fantastic Louise from the Brain Gains blog, who is all about making neuroscience accessible, what is actually going on scientifically in our brains when we are not quite feeling ourselves. In part three, Jessica's going to be talking a little bit about reflections of the last three years and how she set up Run to Run. Um, and we also have a brand new feature, which is Voices of the Run to Run, which is you, the community, talking a little bit about why you run and how you got involved. So stay tuned and join us on the Run to Run podcast. And please do listen and subscribe if you enjoy it. Have a good one. Hello and welcome back to the Run Talk Run podcast. It's episode 11 um, and I'm joined by Jessica Robson. Hello. How are you doing Jess? I'm really good thank you. How are you? I'm good yeah. So we've had a bit of a break and we're back with a, I don't know what to call it, is it a series? Is it a season? Is it like a small pocket of running and mental health vibes? It's sort of, I don't know. <laughs> I think a season makes it sound like, you know, this is a serious show. I quite yeah. like it. <laughs> okay. So this is a new season of, of the Run to Run podcast. And uh, we've had probably, I think, three or four weeks off. And um, it's given us a good chance to sort of chat about new ideas and who we want to bring on. Um, we've already done some interviews, which is fantastic. Um, and it's it's good to be back because I think whilst lockdown is sort of easing and people are meeting up in larger groups um you know we still want to you know we still want to share what's going on in the community um and to be honest Jess it's just quite nice to catch up with you every week yeah it is nice I'm looking forward to having it back every week (laughs) so it's it's been a while so you've had quite a lot of changes haven't you yes yeah it's been a busy few weeks um all rather positive though that's good. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I've kind of, I've, I've sort of, I've been kind of busy. And like last week we re- we recorded an episode of the podcast and I, I sort of said to you, like, I was, <laughs> I think I was having like a, an existential crisis because we recorded the interview and I just said to you last week, I was like, I don't think I can do the other two parts. I just don't really feel like myself. So it was quite good of you. You were like, no, let's just wait another week. Let's just cool it off. Um, (laughs) yeah and so this week I've sort of I've just sort of spent a week kind of doing wholesome things to try and build myself up a little bit so I'm feeling I'm feeling refreshed I'm feeling enthused and I'm I'm sort of raring to go with the uh with the podcast so um I guess the first question that we should ask which is the most important one is you know have you run today have you run this weekend um and how was it um I have not run today. I ran a rather long way yesterday, further than I've been in a long time. How I, far? Well, the plan was to run a marathon. I ended up running about 21 miles of it okay. <laughs> um, before the legs just completely bailed. Um, and I ended up walking the final five miles. Um, so I st- I'm still going to say that I completed that marathon. Well, you, complete, you completed a marathon distance like there's there's no doubt about it like if you if that was the London Marathon and you 
you ran 22 of it and walked the last four that you still run a marathon I'd still get a medal so I'm <laughs> still going to give myself a pat on the back and say I ran a marathon uh, <laughs> absolutely I, I totally take that that's like I, I think I definitely definitely counts um, uh, so yeah no running today a lot of rest and a lot of food well deserved rest I think and how about yourself yeah so I I went for uh I don't know I, it's with our running club there's still no races or anything and I I mean England athletics posted the first race which is going to happen in August and um it's it's happening in Chelmsford and it's uh it's sort of I think it's a, a four or five mile race uh oh, sorry no that's a lie it's a mile race but there are so many little rules um to it so there's like no overtaking zones um it, there's races of only six people and they have races throughout the day to try and get enough people to do a race um and so with that in mind and like racing not being the same for a very very long time we've just been kind of meeting in small groups of like two or three of us and just racing each other around places like Battersea Park and and Dulwich and it's just been quite nice just to have that little bit of a competitive edge against other people and mm. uh, push yourself a little bit and have that I don't know that little bit of competitiveness against one another trying to, to get one over each other so I did that on Saturday and I went to Battersea um, and did a 5k with a few mates which was like super good fun um, and then today I I actually had like a little micro adventure I um, jumped in a car like first thing this morning and just went out to the Norfolk um, or sort of uh, east coast and just did a, a massive trail run um, just along the beach and through the woodlands and got sunburnt and I've just <laughs> given back. Wow I didn't realise it was that warm today. It was it's like deceptively warm you know like when it's windy but the sun kind of cuts through. I'm uh, sure it was beautiful though nice to run somewhere new. Yeah I just had a real craving just to I don't know. I think the whole this whole weekend with lockdown easing and pubs being full, I, I sort of filled me with a sense of I actually don't really want to be in London this weekend. Mm. Um, so I did the absolute opposite. I sort of drove as far east as I possibly could until I hit the city. <laughs> um, so it felt good. I've got I'm slightly sunburned. I've got salt all over me because I jumped in the sea afterwards, and um, I've got scratches all over me from all the brambles. Um, but it just felt good to have a little adventure, I think. Yeah, that's just it, isn't it? It's evidence of that, a little escape that you had. Um, yeah, thoroughly recommend these micro-adventures. They're quite fun. It totally is. It totally is. So I think we probably should talk a little bit about the Run Talk Run World, because obviously um, lockdown is easing, but they're at this point in time, we're sort of not yet at a point where Run Talk Run can start again, right? Yes, that's right. Um, we're... Still not running just yet. Um, as I've sort of said before, I think it's really cool if you want to reach out to your usual run talk run community and organize, you know, um runs amongst, you know, your yourselves, like with small groups. But in terms of our big group runs happening, they're not quite there yet. Um, but we'll keep you updated and hopefully yeah. we'll be meeting soon. Because that's the thing, like, because, you know, small groups of people are meeting up, but it's it's good to remember within your run to runs that, you, that you've that you done in the past that, like, there are people that maybe haven't got the confidence to say, 
oh, I actually quite fancy going for a run. So it's quite good to reconnect with your group and sort of see, you know, whether people are, are up for getting out and, and, and doing a 5K now. Um, yes, yeah. So, yeah, it's, I think it's a, it's a really good time to sort of get going. And, and I guess in time, you know, things will become a little bit, a little bit clearer as well. Um, so, yeah, it's, um, I, I think as well, like you had, a, you had a good chat on Friday as well, because um, you'd be doing your Zoom calls every week with some of the run to run leaders. And, and that's been quite good as, about sort of some of the issues about how you can improve run to run as well. So I know that this Friday was about inclusivity. It was. That was a fantastic conversation with the leaders. Um, so we spoke, yeah, diversity and inclusivity. Um, and that kind of spanned across all sort of uh, minority groups really um groups that deserve to sort of have a voice within run talk run as well so it was yeah an eye-opening conversation about you know where we are at currently because yeah. I think we are already a very inclusive space but mm-hmm. actually what can we do better um in fact it's a good point to make whilst we're on the podcast is you know, we would like Run Talk Run to be a platform for anyone who feels that they have something they would like to share on this topic, whether yeah. it's about race, whether it's about, you know, the LGBTQ community, your experience as a runner, you know, coming from, you know, minority groups. Um, so, yes, if we can be that platform for anyone who's listening, we would love yeah. to be. So get in touch absolutely and I, I agree with you i think i i've taken a lot of um reflection in this time of not having run to run because you know tooting is such a a wonderful place and it's an incredibly diverse place and and it gives time to reflect saying are we doing everything that we can do as a run to run to be as inclusive as we possibly can um and that's a topic that we're bringing up in our group as well and i i think it's you know this i think with the whole Black Lives Matter movement I think the the whole point is to for every person and organization to reflect and say can we do something a little bit more so you know I think it's a great opportunity um so yeah as Jess said you know please do get in touch which is a fantastic segue um because I will now tell you how you can get in touch which is obviously through Instagram is at run to run if you want to um, email uh Jessica um then you can do I just full named you Jess sorry (laughs) Do you know why it I makes do that? Sense because that's the email. <laughs> that's the email, but I always full name you when I do that. Um, but yeah, the email is jessica at runtalkrun.com. Um, and of course, you know, um, we do so many things for the community of Run Talk Run. So um, if you want to uh, give back or donate in any way, please do check out the support page on the website uh, where you can become uh, a supporter of Run Talk Run. Um, and you can donate a small amount per month um, to help do things like give our leaders uh, mental health, mental health first aid, um, and also support our groups. So, um, Jess, do you want to say a little bit of a recap? Because it has been a week since we recorded this um, of who we are meeting uh, in this episode. Yes. Um, so we are going to be talking to uh, Louise, um, and she is someone who. T- basically has done a lot of self-educating on neuroscience and she breaks it down into digestible pieces of information that everyone else can learn from on her Instagram. It's called Brain Gains Blog yeah. and you literally are making 
gains <laughs> for your brain when you're reading her posts. Um, seriously interesting uh, things about how our brains work. Um, and yeah, I'm really excited to sort of talk talk about, you know, why why she's been on this journey of educating herself because I find the information she puts out fascinating. Yeah, I mean, like last week I wasn't in the best place, but I was... I was gripped like you were leading most of the interview but I was I was gripped and I found the whole thing fascinating and I think by the end of it I I wanted uh, Louise to pretty much be our like go-to person for every scientific question that I had um because there's there's literally so much to talk about about how our brains work and you know how our bodies and our minds are so connected um and what we can do to try and improve ourselves in that respect so um I, I think we've done the, the next part justice so um please do catch up with us in just a sec uh where we'll be speaking to louise in part two the run talk run podcast part two with me jess uh, and josh as always and we are joined today uh, by louise um louise has been on an incredible journey um with her own mental health and her mission now is to make neuroscience way more accessible and easy to understand uh, hi louise hello how are you i'm really good thank you how are you I'm very, very well. I've had a fantastic day. And as I said to you a minute ago, just been for a run. So I thought it was very convenient. All the energy flying around. That's really cool. <laughs> exactly. Um, so you obviously do um, a lot of work in making neuroscience um, more accessible, as I've said. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm presuming this hasn't been something that you've just always done. Um yeah. Tell us about your journey into <laughs> wanting to sort of share, you know, these bite-sized chunks of information for people. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a really long and interesting journey. I'll, I'll just say that to start with. Um, so it started, it rooted from my experiences with my own mental health when I was a teenager. So I'm 25 now. This started around the age really about 16, 17. Uh, definitely a hormonal kind of time in my life. But I ended up being very, very anxious and depressed and was getting panic attacks all of the time. So I, I knew, you know, it was quite scary, but I knew that it wasn't normal. That's as far as I knew. Uh, so as most people do, your kind of first uh, port of call is to go to your doctor, your GP. And I did that. that. Even that in itself was quite scary for me, but I did manage to do that. And the advice that I was given, just it just seemed quite haphazard. And it, it, was, it concerned me a little bit that it was just within a 10 minute appointment that someone could quick diagnose me that quickly without looking at actually the organ that I was talking about, which was my brain. <laughs> so I think that's what really motivated me. It came from a kind of adverse place, really, as quite a lot of things do. But that's what motivated me to get into studying the brain because I just wasn't satisfied with what I was offered which was antidepressants straight away within 10 minutes so I wanted to see what was going on but simultaneously by accident again uh, as I was really struggling in more and more in social situations more so because I was starting to forget things and I was becoming quite forgetful and just very anxious all the time uh, I was 
I basically dropped out of college. But just before that, I was skipping college to go to the gym because that was the only safe space that I could find where I could kind of hide from everyone, really. And just by accident, started noticing that slowly, slowly, my mood was increasing a little bit. I was sleeping better. Um, I could focus a bit more as well. And, and things were starting to go in a bit more. And I was just thinking, oh, maybe there's something to this. Uh, so I, I took that information to my doctor, I did a bit of research, but I, I just said to him, you know, is it, do you know anything about exercise uh, helping the brain at all? And he was like, he basically said to me, I can remember it so clearly, uh, depression will just come in waves because I remember him just making the little wave symbol with his hands. <laughs> um, and he was like, it will just come and go. Like exercise might help a little bit in the moment. You might feel a bit better, but it will just come and go throughout your life. So it's better that you just stick with this medication, which by the way, it wasn't working for me. It just made me constipated. Um, <laughs> and he just kind of left it at that. And I just left there like fired up basically. And I was like, right, that is it. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find some kind of evidence that proves this wrong in a way. Um, and long story short, seven years of studying various courses online, like neurobiology, which is very intense to study, but so worth it. And I did a neuroscience um, CPD in brain health, applied brain health and all these different things, read loads of books and basically found that what was happening in my brain wasn't just in my head. So that's that's where it all started with studying neuroscience. But I think the making it accessible part is that not a lot of people have seven years to study so mm. it's frustrating me that even GPs, a lot of them now are incredible and do have this information, but they're not taught it in medical school. It's the ones who go off their own back to find this information out that share it. So I wanted to educate them as well as the people who need it the most, who are vulnerable. So that's it, really. I think that is just so inspiring. The fact that you know, <laughs> when you were in that place as a teen, um, you know, you don't know why you're feeling the way you're feeling when when yeah. it first comes on, I don't think. So actually to challenge the story and the na narrative that you were given by your doctor about why yeah. you were feeling that way is, yeah, yeah it takes, yeah, it's in guts. Where do you even begin to start, sort of start educating yourself <laughs> on these things? Well, I think it was more so that I came in on the angle of, okay, I'm feeling better, what's going on? So I just learned the absolute basics of how the human brain works. So neurotransmitters, you know, what makes us feel good, what makes us feel bad. And also they give you this model that's I think it's about 20 year old neuroscience model that depression comes from a lack of serotonin. So I decided that I would find ways I could increase my serotonin to test that model. <laughs> um, this is still a, a hypothesis, by the way. It's not actually proven because, again, they can't scan your brain and tell you that you haven't got enough serotonin. They just all tell you that. Um, <laughs> you can tell I'm still quite <laughs> angry about it still, probably. But basically, I found out that if you eat certain foods with things like tryptophan in it, you can increase your serotonin yourself and then exercise and all these things. So I thought, I'm just going to wire my entire life to, to that model and try mm -hmm. and make it better. And it, it did work to a degree. And then I just I started uncovering all these little things as I went along. I just went on this massive rabbit hole of studying. Um, I found an incredible book by a psychiatrist in the US called Dr. John Ratey. I don't know if you've heard of him, but mm -hmm. he was one of the first people to really revolutionize exercise as a frontline treatment for mental health issues. And it was just really, really interesting to see. It is absolutely fascinating and definitely something that, you know, I'm sure myself and Josh have sort of felt that benefit of exercise on our mental health. Yeah. Absolutely. What I love is that you don't just focus on like, the immediate 
effects of that exercise and it's something I try and sort of um, try and explain to people that I know it's, it's not just mm. about a runner's high and about you know endorphins it's a lot more to it um, yeah what this, else what else is going on <laughs> yeah yeah so this is oh I love explaining this so much I find it so interesting people's reaction to this because it's one of those things where we're just taught you know you everyone knows almost people um, attach endorphins to feeling good with exercise which is true you do produce a lot of endorphins when you exercise but a few years ago they discovered or neuroscientists discovered endorphins uh, don't actually pass through the blood brain blood brain barrier so the molecules themselves are a bit too large to actually pass through your brain so that kind of debunks the whole that's why you feel good when you exercise so endorphins when you break down the word is endogenous and morphine so morphine painkiller <laughs> so it, it makes you feel good within your body and you know I'll, you'll know this after you've done a long run you don't really feel the pain towards the end of the run but then afterwards you might feel those niggles and those pains mm-hmm. that's what it's doing it's protecting your body from pain uh, but it's actually like new research shows that it's actually most likely down to a neurotransmitter called anandamide which is an endocannabinoid <laughs> so I'm not I'm not going to go too much into it's a great this. word it's, yeah yeah. Um, so endocannabinoid, I know the word sounds like cannabis, so everyone has the misconception there because we have ca- cannabinoid receptors, which when we get high on cannabis, it's exactly the same effect. But what I'm talking about is nothing to do with cannabis. It's just the high that you get within your body. Uh, so anandamide, the, the ananda part of the word uh, translates to joy or bliss. So it's like a, a good feeling. Um, but basically what happens there's a study I think it was in about 2015 or 2016 so it's fairly recent that was done in um, Germany and they took two groups of mice because sadly most neuroscientist studies do still include mice um, they made half of the mice so one group run for five hours and they made the other group remain sedentary so they just mm-hmm. move at all um, the results were that the ones who ran for five hours were a lot less anxious and the ones that were sedentary were more anxious. So they, they figured this out by putting them in, uh, it was like a light and a dark box, and they run towards the dark box when they're terrified. So the rats that were more anxious did this a lot more often. And um, the ones that had run for five hours also had a much higher pain tolerance. And they did this by putting them on plates. And I, I don't know how like good or bad this is, but they put them <laughs> on plates that were hot. I don't know how hot they were. But the, the how often they jumped on the plates or licked their paws showed how their pain tolerance, basically. So the ones that have been running for five hours had a, a very high pain tolerance. Um, this The bit that gets interesting is that they then gave them antagonists, which block the um, endorphins or endocannabinoids being produced. And then what happened then is that basically uh, the endorphins weren't affected at all. So this shows that they don't pass through the, the brain, blood-brain barrier. Um, but the ones with the, the endocannabinoids, they were still anxious and sensitive to pain. So what that concludes is that is the pure reason that it's anandamide that makes you feel good when you exercise. So it's quite interesting, but it gets quite sciencey. So I'll try and keep it simple. <laughs> that is just so, so cool. And what I kind of love about it is that actually you tend to only get those endorphins when you're pushing yourself super hard on a yeah. run anyway yeah. or you do run a really long way um, <laughs> both are things that I don't actually like to do I quite like a gentle run yeah. so I quite like exactly the thought I agree. that you know you don't have to go you know yeah you still get the same out. effect I think we proved recently with even within a 10 minute 
jog or like people who power walk, you still get a similar effect. And that's kind of the, the message I'm really passionate about pushing because a lot of people get put off with the misconception that you have to be an athlete or a runner or, you know, you get the same effect if you're an athlete or a couch potato because your body has its the same baseline, you know, it only knows its own baseline. But yeah. What, what I love that. about this is that, you know, all the research is just so new as well. Yeah, and, you know, I guess it's, I guess it's something that you're going to, you're having to continually research and find out more because it's, yeah. it's happening right now, I guess. Yeah, it's so true. You've always got to be on it. And I think that even though I don't quite have the credentials, you know, I don't have the neuroscience degree and stuff yet, I'm constantly researching and I'm constantly in touch with people who are doing PhDs in these kind of areas. Like uh, I know a couple of people who are doing um, studying basically exercises of frontline treatment for mental health. And I'm constantly, you know, seeing what they're researching a lot on Twitter as well, because you find a lot of interesting stuff on there. But yeah, it's, it's really constantly changing all the time. It's so exciting. Do you, do you think people find it intimidating as a topic because you can't see yeah. it or feel <laughs> it or, you know, it's it's something that's so complex, like compared to other organs, yeah. like a heart, you know, it's got valves, you know, it's yeah. got, you know, you can kind of see it. I, I think there's so much you can't see with the brain, isn't there? And it, I, yeah. I guess it could be quite an intimidating it's very intimidating itself and then it goes to the next level this is probably information I probably shouldn't be sharing but so I was chatting to a PhD candidate the other day who we're doing some work together on and he said that they're literally at the moment taught in their PhD that the more neuroscience jargon they put into their study the more likely it is to get cited by more people so that means the more (laughs) and that is legitimately the truth so they almost want to overcomplicate it to make it look better and so that my job is just to reverse all of that and try and make it simple so that people can actually understand uh, what's going on and that you only need to make these small changes to actually have have long-term effects on your brain not just short term. I think that's amazing and one thing that really stood out to me was that whole pain tolerance element of it as well and I think that's what really translates to the ability to sort of um cope with low days and anxious days as well you know not necessarily heal from mental ill health but also that pain tolerance that you've experienced with exercise (laughs) yeah exactly so by that you're exactly right I mean physical pain and mental pain because they are they are the same like when you look at the nervous system your your brain doesn't just include your brain it includes your spinal cord which goes out to your whole periphery your whole body so pain in your brain is also pain in your body (laughs) But we do it all the time, don't we? Because we we always separate our mind from our body. Yeah, it's always mi- yeah. mind and body, isn't it? It's like yeah. it's separate, whereas it's so connected. Well, it, it, you know, it's all one of the same thing, isn't it? Exactly. But we yeah. always we always separate it when we talk about it, and I guess we use yeah. sort of big sweeping statements without sort of mm-hmm. properly understanding what's going on. Yeah, you're so right, and I think that's why neuroscience can be quite a powerful tool because it can help people just to understand simply that your body is the same as your brain. It's it's not airy fairy stuff. It's just facts. That's what it is. <laughs> so, so yeah. And that's exactly what you do with your blog. It's like you bring the, these big, big sort of concepts and findings and make them mm-hmm. easy to understand. I absolutely adore reading through your your Thank blog. You. Oh, that's so kind. That means because a- I don't understand a lot of yeah. these, you know, big fancy words. There was one um uh sort of word slash term, I suppose, neuroplasticity, which yeah. When yeah. I read your sort of writing about it, I was like, oh this is so empowering. <laughs> um can you actually uh, 
could you explain to us what actually this it. is yeah, because yeah. I love it <laughs> I think because I study it day in day out I, I started making these videos at once using these terms and I just gloss over the word and then I suddenly realized because this one particular video didn't get that much engagement I was like I didn't actually really explain what the word was so I just made a video going back explaining what the word was after that and a lot of people were like ah um, so a lot of neuroscience words when you break them down it just means what it means so plasticity neuroplasticity neuro meaning brain plasticity meaning plastic so it basically refers to the fact that your brain is malleable and changeable over your lifespan so 20 years ago neuroscientists thought that the way your brain developed throughout childhood, it stayed static in adulthood and didn't change, but it's actually constantly changing until the day you die. Uh, so it's not like we're growing new neurons all the time, but we're just, we're changing and strengthening and killing off and adapting the synaptic pathways, which is like basically the gaps between neurons. Mm -hmm. And they, in neuroscience, they call it uh, chatting to each other or they call it neuron excitability so how excited <laughs> the neuron is and it is really I find it a really cute word because it, it literally makes so much more sense when the more you train certain pathways and neurons the more excited they are because they chat to each other more <laughs> so they, they have this term like use it or lose it basically so in it to put it into context with running for example if you stop running for five years you, you'll lose those the muscle memory and those skills like they'll loosely be there at the back of your mind but they won't be that strong or powerful or healthy and then obviously if you use it and practice regularly that's harnessing neuroplasticity so that's what it means I just think that's so empowering to know <laughs> that the way that your brain is right now like yeah. it is changeable you know yeah that and if you are in a bit of a crap place, you know, it's quite yeah. cool when you start learning yeah. about neuroplasticity to know that True. with, a, with you know, work, you know, you can actually change yeah. the way things are operating, and, I suppose. And also, yeah. going back to, like, when you spoke to your doctor and, you know, mm -hmm. to, to hear something saying, oh, something will come and go, that's quite... Oh, my God, yeah. That's quite... That's fear, <laughs> it strikes fear into you because it's it assuming does. you have no control over your... Yeah ability to be able to change it and and by you sort of saying you know with the neuroplasticity and you you have the ability to sort of your your brain can adapt and change yeah. that's so positive for someone to hear isn't it because they know that they can you're so right yeah and and when that comes from an authoritative figure as well so this is another area I'm studying at the moment is the sort of motivating factors and barriers of like for example train uh getting someone who's mentally ill to want to exercise that is very hard when most people who are not mentally mm. ill won't exercise <laughs> that's the reality uh, so they found out that the most important way to get information across to someone is via an authoritative figure so if more GPs understand it then more people can get the healthcare they need but there's it, the, it, the issues go very deep they run very deep but for now I'm just doing what I can do to sort of to help other people but yeah it just completely debunks the kind of you know the saying it's too late to change like that just is completely debunked by science where do you think we need to begin with like getting that across to gps is it through social prescribing do you think or yeah i mean this is this, the thing that's constantly buzzing around my head and I, i've just got a book actually which i haven't started yet because it's huge but it's by a guy who's a, he's the head of neuroscience and psychiatry at king's college london and another guy called um simon Rosenbaum so the guy from London is uh, Brendan Stubbs and they have written an entire book on prescribing exercises of frontline treatment they're doing a lot of work at the moment like so Brendan Stubbs has published over 500 studies in this area alone 
So when I've got to the end of that book, I might have a more conclusive answer for you. But they're, <laughs> yeah. they're currently studying the best ways to get it into everyday life. So, so Simon actually works with refugees in Bangladesh and getting them to, to get active, which is just amazing. Like so it just shows that it doesn't matter where you are in the world, you can actually do it. Mm, that's just yeah, incredible. That's, I don't I find, know the answer to that yet. No, of course not. I mean, yeah, it's something that we constantly worked on, I'm sure, by on, on the back of these studies. Yeah. Um, you're obviously um, reaching a lot of people with your blog. What are your sort of goals with Brain Games <laughs> blog? Is it simply just to, you know, get this message out to as many people yeah. as possible? Or what's, yeah, what's the plan with you it? You know what, that, it's really interesting you should say that because... Honestly, the lockdown really has been an absolute godsend for me because my job usually is, is in the gym and it's, it's very time consuming. And before lockdown, I don't know if you noticed at all, but I just wasn't creating content <laughs> and I've just been able to absolutely focus on it. I've gone back and redone my neurobiology course and I like done a lot more research and a lot more work, but I wasn't actually able to completely focus on what my future goals were with it before lockdown. But now I have a much clearer idea. Um, and I'm starting with with what I know, really, with like doing what I can with what I know. And with my current job, I've got quite a few more corporate connections. So I'm going to try and weasel my way in to getting it more in the workplace and, and part of employee well-being. So like my job is joining people to our gym and creating connections with employee well-being. But a lot of them see it still as a waste of time. Like mm. if I'm working with brokers in Canary Wharf, they see that hour as wasted time when they could be making money. But I'm like, if I can put the spin on it, that actually they're going to become more productive. They're going to be able to sleep better, focus better, work better. Everything is going to be improved by it. And they'll actually make more money. <laughs> then yeah. basically that's what I'm trying to do. So I'm going to go in with that angle and then hopefully spread it further and further throughout society, really. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so aside from like following you and your amazing blog if someone like sort of um wanted to start understanding their own brain better mm. obviously there's so much that you could learn um, yeah where do you think is it like the best place to sort of even begin start uh, yeah it's so difficult I mean like that's really hard for me to say because I do I don't I don't do anything by half basically <laughs> I haven't <laughs> but I would say that the best skill looking back on this sort of seven years is is learning how to research and learning how to ask questions so anything you hear ever whether it's at the doctor or you read it on an article on the internet you've got to think about where it's come from who, who's being paid to do it um you know are there any uh what's the word like conflict conflicting opinions you know, just learning mm. how to do something for face value. And the advice I can give anyone, it might be a bit complicated for some people, but it's to learn how to just dissect a study. Um, you, there's courses you can do, but I just go on PubMed, which is like the body for, for all the studies in the world, really, in science. And most of them now will have the long study, but they'll also have it in layman's terms. They'll have it a conclusion of the study. So it's just broken down. So most people would be able to understand the basis of it. So that's pretty that's much how I got through my degree. I, I just read the yeah, late, latest article. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. I mean, obviously that can be dangerous because like yeah. sometimes it, you have to read all the caveats in the entire study. And like this one I read the other day, it took me three hours to read. No one's ever going to do that. But you can summarize it in one paragraph sometimes. So that's something I definitely recommend. But 
it's very hard because there's so much but I think if you start with the bits you're struggling with the most like if you Mm. look at mental health as a whole and figure out where am I struggling the most what do I need to change the most urgently to help me feel better because um you know it doesn't matter if you've got schizophrenia bipolar or if you're just someone who is feeling a little bit anxious you know there's a whole spectrum everyone can improve their mental health a little bit I'm not going to use the word like recovery or heal because or cure. I just really dislike those words. And it actually drives me mad when I see people <laughs> on Instagram and stuff. They're called like cure your anxiety or, you know, all those yeah. words that are slightly false promises. Um, they, that's not taking into account that everyone is very different. Absolutely. I like that you've actually mentioned that it is a spectrum because, you know, improving our mental health doesn't have to necessarily originate from a a place of mental ill health. Actually, you you could do this research into, you know, um, how to be more productive, perhaps, because there'll be studies on that as well. You know, it's so vast. (laughs) It's so so difficult, though, because most people won't that have the motivation to research something until something goes wrong that's the thing is like it usually comes from a place of knowing what it's like to feel mentally ill when you start researching it but it's, it's just yeah you're right trying to change the language in it as well helps so much when you tell people when you say to people would you like to become more productive um would you like to become better at your job would you like to be in a better mood all the time would you like to sleep better they're gonna say yes so and then mm-hmm. if you're like if you exercise for 10 minutes a day three times a week that's all you need (laughs) simple yeah I mean and actually you've actually put out um a piece recently about how our brains are responding to a digital world and that makes it kind of harder Mm -hmm. to absorb information at times because we're so used to consuming information on a sort of small bite-sized way (laughs) without all this extensive reading um Yes. What's what's really going on there? Because you, you've it, done a lot more research into this than I understand. Yeah, I know. That's the one I was referring to when I said it took me like three hours to read the study. And it's right. just the irony of it because the whole study is talking about how short our attention spans are. And it was just making me laugh the whole way through it because I, I was struggling so hard. What I really it. liked about that post you put up was the... Oh, yeah. I think you were sort of saying how we think we know a lot more information than we do yes. because we this have access to it. I, that that yeah. was like a really great concept that I hadn't even thought of, but it's so true. Yeah. So this, the guy who made the study, Joe Firth, he's a, I think he's from, he's a researcher at the University of Manchester. He's such a great guy because he's, he's quite young as well. So he thinks of things in modern terms, really. Um, he works, he does a lot with digital health with youths. So he's got that, you know, he's on the front line. He knows what's going on. He knows the reality that teenagers are spending their lives on Xboxes. And, you know, it, so it's realistic. Um, but basically, he explains how that there's a study he did that figured out that most people assume they know a lot more information than they do purely because they know how to get the information. They know how to access it by, by a nice little thing called Google. <laughs> So that's where that comes from. But it's, it's really interesting. We all think that we know more than we do because because of that, because of the Internet. So, yeah. It's funny. It's a lot more empowering to know that you you actually do know it, you know, that this isn't something that... <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> but it, it's a struggle. Like, it is hard to learn. And I think I use neuroscience. I kind of hack neuroscience in a way to use neuroscience because I know that I learn things better if I write them down and if I do little sketches and little diagrams 
that's the only way it stays in my brain. Um, but it's because I learned that we're very sensory. So you're, you're much better able to learn things if you can, you know, attach a visual or a smell or a taste or, you know, all your senses to it rather than just through a screen on the Internet. And I, I kind of to help explain that to people, I use a puppy analogy. So I'm like, if you've got a new puppy, uh, would you teach it how to interact with dogs or how to smell grass or how to um, catch a ball, um, bring a ball back to you via a device, via a phone? Would they be able to actually learn through that? And when you think of it that way, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen a dog try and watch the TV. <laughs> My dog just looks straight past the TV. They can't see it. And that's a good <laughs> way of thinking about it. Yeah, it's so, so interesting. Do you think there's uh do you think there's a like a, a real gap in society for courses and for people to I, I obviously it's what you're doing, but it mm-hmm. it just seems so obvious to me that this is something that should be done more. Do you know what yeah. I mean? In businesses and society. Like sharing the obvious. It's almost like painfully obvious, really, but we, there's this problem where we've just got so much information. We've got the world of information in our hands, and it's like, how do you focus on one thing, and how do you, how do but you? It's stop quite fundamental, isn't it? Like yeah, so really. Yeah, it's like what shocks me that this is so unbelievably shocking that just a couple of weeks ago, they, the first pub, uh, study was published that yoga improves symptoms of depression. And all the yogis on Twitter were just going mad because they're like, we don't need a study to prove this. You know, we've all known it for years. But I'm like, actually, I've just realized the importance of things being in a study and put into numbers because the people who read these studies are the doctors who are at university learning to be GPs. If a GP sees that study, they can now prescribe yoga. (laughs) So that's the that's why we actually need to go back to these fundamental basics. But yeah, it's quite interesting, as although it seems so basic to most people. <laughs> Absolutely, because then, then that once it's prescribed, then then people again, as you said, you know, like going back to the doctor thing, you you get it from a position of authority, and then it that yeah. impacts you in a different way, I guess. Yeah, you're right, and like I'm not actually completely averse to um, medication and antidepressants because for some severe mental illnesses, they can provide an absolute lifeline. But the thing is, is they just don't teach you the healthy habits that you need to actually improve and grow your brain. They don't teach you habits. It's just it can sometimes be a plaster. Yeah. So as long as you can combine the two, it, there's nothing that wrong with medication other than it can mess up your gut health a bit. Um, but yeah, it's just on its own, it's never going to be able to be as powerful as lifestyle changes. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. Sorry, Josh. <laughs> no, no, no. I just, I, I, I've actually really enjoyed this because I've just I've learned a lot, and it, it's made me really think. You know, we we talk so much about moods, and we talk so much yeah. about feelings, and mm. you know, things going on in our minds, and we just don't think what's actually going on. You know. It's, yeah, I this whole weekend and you know I've, I've been a little bit negative at times and a bit up and down yeah. I'm like I'm not thinking about the fact that I've worked really I've you know I've not got much sleep this week the fact my diet's yeah. been pretty poor this week I've not been looking after myself incredibly well this week and yeah. but instead you just you put it into concepts of moods and emotions without thinking yeah. hang on a right. second I've physically just not been in a great space this week through yeah alcohol through lack of sleep through lack of exercise you know um exactly so true and thoughts and feelings come and go and we have to we have to be conscious and aware of that that's been a big game changer for me as well is learning that when you do feel a bit shit 
it's not going to last forever. You just get up the next day and it's a restart and you can start again. And that's that's really empowering, especially when it comes to things like anxiety or even even down to things like um, binge eating disorders. You know, if you if you mess up and have one slice of pizza or something, you think Mm. your entire week, month is messed up. But actually, you have the power to completely start again the next day and just, you know, just go from there, really. I guess it's like with people that are successful with, you know, changing the way they eat and, they're, yeah. you know, living a healthier lifestyle. It's not. And it's the same with exercise. You don't need to run every day and you also mm-hmm. don't need yeah. to be healthy every day. But yeah, I mean, exactly. The on, on the other end of the scale, that's so true. There's, I'm also studying at the moment um, exercise addiction. <laughs> so there's, it goes both ways. It's very, yeah. very similar concept to being addicted to, to drugs, really. Um, so, that it, yeah, it works both ways with things like OCD and ADHD. They, they cross over into that. So it's really interesting stuff. There's a lot going on. Uh, but I think the main thing is just to check in with yourself, like just listen, actually feel how your body's feeling right now. Like, is your chest tight? Is your jaw tense? All those little things to figure out how you're actually feeling and then just act accordingly, really. Yeah. I think I, I I just think that this this whole kind of chat is is so fascinating, and I I actually don't think we can get everything that we want to ask into like half an hour. You know, I think that's yeah. it's too <laughs> much. So I, I I mean I don't know how you feel, but it'd be so cool like to get some feedback from like our oh, run to runners about things they want yeah. to know more about, and then I maybe we can like we reconnect can. and yeah, you know, that would be really stuff. cool. Yeah, that sounds great. Sure it will be so lots of yeah people will have questions about this I'm sure about how they can actually learn more yeah yeah exactly it's true I'm glad that you found it interesting though totally I've just put you under pressure live on a podcast to recommit to another <laughs> podcast <laughs> yeah, definitely I would love to because it helps me as well this is another little hack that I use to help my learning is <laughs> by repeating it practice, practice and repetition helps you actually learn so I'm helping myself too so it's fine so, so how, how can people follow you and find out more what's your what's your Instagram uh, so mostly I use Instagram so it's it, my Instagram handle is braingains.blog so it's brain like your brain and gains like in the gym gains um I do have Twitter as well which unfortunately there's a guy in the US who's taken my name <laughs> brain gains blog who I am in touch with uh so my twitter name is brain gains co co <laughs> or my yeah. website is actually just braingains.blog perfect well you know so do do get in touch and you know do ask questions of any topics um yeah. you know, to us but obviously do do get in touch on on the brain gains blog as well i'm sure i'm sure you'll be happy to to answer absolutely. any yeah i love answering questions absolutely fantastic um well i'm sure we'll be speaking to you again soon then yeah Um, thank you for joining us no problems Um, and yeah for for anyone listening obviously you can get in touch with us um at run to run also someone did actually steal the run to run podcast as well speaking of stealing when i I set it up i already won for run to run i was like I'm going to knock it to the side. (laughs) Uh, You know what, though? You've just got to not be bothered about it because I've been chatting to this guy who's lovely. He's not actually in the best of places himself as well. And he just does it for his own benefit. He just he just writes notes about, you know, his own mental health. And I think it's brilliant. So I'm not going to be mad at him to steal it off him. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, yeah. um, you can obviously get in touch with us um, at run talk run um, or email Jess, which is (laughs) jess.run.com. Um, so thank you so much for joining us. Like I've I've really enjoyed that. And um, yeah, uh, we're gonna we're gonna depart, but catch us in part three where um, 
Jess and I are going to talk a little bit about the journey of Run Talk Run um, in the past. It's coming up to three years, isn't it, Jess? It is. Yeah, we're nearly three. Years. We're going to take a little bit of a, a, a back in time and talk a little bit about how it all started um, and the journey of the last three years. So uh, catch us in part three. Voices of Run Talk Run. Hi, so my name's Rosie. I'm the uh, Run Talk Run leader for Gateshead. Um, and... Run Talk Run to me is just a breath of fresh air, actually, even when um, there doesn't seem to be much fresh air out there. Um, it's just that space of just kind of, I think, being vulnerably safe, which sounds a bit odd, but it's just everything goes in, in the best possible way. Hello and welcome back to part three of the Run Talk Run podcast uh where jess and i um are gonna have um catch up about well, nostalgic i think um and and this is in part your fault jess because you you posted um i, I guess some some is it i perhaps some self-reflecting notes on run talk run or i where maybe it was a post that you put up um a few years ago but it's reflecting on run talk run um yeah and at the starting point in the inception exactly that um it came up on my memories it's a post from october 2017 which is when i started run talk run um and yeah it kind of hit me how the core of what we're doing is exactly what i intended it to be but yeah. back then had absolutely no idea where it was going to go yeah it's mad <laughs> isn't it? and i like i don't yeah. want to i don't wanna embarrass you but I'm, I'm going to read like an excerpt out from it because like sure. i think it's and I won't put your accent on because I don't. I can't do accents, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't be able to do it. But um, the oh, you don't have an accent. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, okay, so so this is you in 2017 saying, "I don't really know truly how this group of like-minded people will grow and develop. I don't really know truly if it will take off or whether I am wasting my time in trying." In brackets. Oh, hello, anxiously. Nice of you to stop by. Well, what I do know is when you get that fire in your belly that you've got not felt for a while because depression is weighing you down and all this fire is telling you to do is share what you've been, share what you've learned with other people. Well, that's what I'm doing. I'm not exactly sure. I'm, I'm not exactly sure I'm doing it, but I'm doing it. Like, <laughs> that's really cool, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's funny um, listening back to Jess's voice a few years ago. Um, I really didn't know what I was doing. I was totally winging it. <laughs> I just knew that <laughs> running was really helping me and yeah. I wanted to do it with other people. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> Very so at simple. Point, at that point, have you, had you set up Southwark at that point? Or was that before? That was um, exactly a week, actually, after the first run. So I think the very first run was the 17th of October. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I guess that's almost a week after that first run where there wasn't really <laughs> any sign of anyone that was going to turn up. Um, I, yeah, it was still very much just an idea, I suppose. Did anyone turn up on the first run? I, I don't think I've asked you this, actually. Um, yes, the very first run someone did. Um, she, did she didn't come back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we did actually spend a lot of that run talking about how anxious we both were about turning up 
Um, And I think although she didn't come back, even just that space where we both spoke about how nervous we were um, kind of gave me the confidence like, oh, we can talk about these difficult feelings whilst we're running. I'll do it again. Um, So, yeah, there was someone. I think it's cool that like, you know, nearly three years on, like that kind of still core belief and is is sort of still there. Um, so you know, as, as it's as it's developed, you know, has there has there been anything that's tried has swayed you away from that core belief, or like have you have you thought much about it, or was that did that pop up and you go, wow, that's exactly the same as I felt? Um, for me to to read that right now actually it was really good timing because the core belief with run talk run our core values are the same it's a very simple concept you know we are there to support each other um, and to provide a space where we can just turn up and run gently and chat about whatever it is that might be bothering us whatever's going on in our lives that is a very simple setup really when we look at run talk run and that hasn't changed but I think sometimes I forget um, why I set it up and I become so immersed in how we can improve and what we can be doing better, what I can be doing better for Run to Run, that I forget actually this is, it can be as simple as as it always was. I, I just yeah. need to remember that, I think, sometimes. Um, yeah, it's good to be reminded. There's so many things, isn't there? Like, I guess there's a there's a pressure to you know maybe feel that you know it needs to grow or it needs to get out to more people or help more people but you know all the while it's it's happening you are still helping a lot of people to engage with others and I think one of the things I've found or I've seen that has been the nicest especially since you know groups of two or three can like meet up again and start running together is those people who have done it off their own backs and I think you've probably seen this as well Jess like you suddenly see little pockets of people meeting up again and not necessarily through you know it's not a run to run obviously but they're they're just meeting up and going for a run and a chat and it's like those people would have never have met before you know and they've got someone to lean on and and to talk to and I, I think that's awesome yeah it really warms my heart when I when I see people that are doing this within the run to run community um it is true. It has connected people. It has connected people. That's, that's simply it. It has created a lot of friendships. And if that is, this is what I've been telling myself for the last 24 hours, if that is all run, talk, run ever achieves, do you know what? I think that's okay. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's it's awesome when we reach new communities and new locations I will always celebrate every new run uh, because growth is cool and run to run should be everywhere. Yeah. But celebrating the communities we've already got and the friendships that have already been made is even better. Yeah, I, I think so. I just think there's, there's, you know, there is so much, especially once you have something online, isn't it? There's, there's so many like statistics and figures of how many people are reading this or how many people are following, but you know, ultimately it, it's you've always said it's about having like this this social action and if people are kind of getting out there and meeting on their own accord it just it makes such a huge difference um is there anything you do differently from the start um no 
No, actually. <laughs> well, that's that question chalked off. <laughs> yeah, sorry, that was such a blunt response. No, I, I, think I, yeah. I think there's a lot that I know now that I didn't know then, but I think I had to learn those things as I went along. And I think if Run Talk Run had grown too fast or I had, you know, a massive run from the get go, I would have scared myself and not seen it through. <laughs> so, you know, I think Run Talk Run has happened as it was meant to. Yeah, no, I think I think that's cool. I actually think the one thing that's really changed in me is um, I was very I was very hyped up on um, I was I really loved starting um you know my local group but actually all the while I was thinking about me as a runner and me wanting to achieve more and and hit pbs and this and that and actually the greatest journey I've found in it is is actually other people hitting goals or running their first ever 10k or going for groups of other people and it's it's really like changed the way I feel what's important in running which is actually you know it's that whole kind of saying of like <laughs> that you know the fisherman like you can you can give a man a fish and he'll eat for the day or that you can give teach him how to fish and actually seeing people kind of get enjoyment out of running and and improve their like self-efficacy and become more confident like that it does so much more for you than than shaving 30 seconds off a 10k time or something it's just like it's far more wholesome it feels so much better it's so true and I think it's important to acknowledge actually whilst there is a run to run journey there are also you know, you on yourself and Tooting have been on a journey. You've gone from having, you know, a few runners on in the first few weeks to now a community of, well, you said there's about 100 in your Tooting yeah. chat. How do you feel like that journey has been as a leader? Do you know what? Like the first time I turned up, I was so like anxious because I, I kind of knew that <laughs> I kind of knew no one would turn up because I did the standard thing where I didn't really plan it. Um, I know you're going to be shocked of my lack of organisation, Jess, but I didn't really plan it that that in depth. Um, and of course, no one turned up. Um, and so I went and ran a, a soggy 5K um, in the rain by myself. Um, and then I got a couple of mates just to help me to try and like make it seem that there was more people there than there were. And then, I don't know, it's it's been really weird. I mean, I, I just thought it'd be like a weekly run. Um, and it'd be cool. What I didn't realise is that we'd be like, doing pub quizzes and you know doing bake-offs and you know catching up in in our spare time and stuff I didn't realize that actually it would become like more of a friendship group than uh, than I probably realized so I think in that respect that's that's the thing that kind of shocked me a little bit that I'd make more personal connections perhaps and friendships because you you've made some some like some great friends from it haven't you I have um yeah, but most of my close friends are now run talk runners. Yeah. Which is awesome. In fact, I'm going for a socially distanced run talk run um on Tuesday evening. And this is, you know, a London a London girl who just happens to be in Eastbourne. And it's so lovely to be able to connect in a in a different place and that community feeling is so strong. Um yeah. yeah doesn't really matter where you are to be honest yeah well I've, I've got a I've got a run on Friday with Derek and I think he's going to break me because his he he's got a, a very long run plan for Friday um and, not your uh, typical run talk run <laughs> <laughs> and 
yeah, I think it might kill me, but um, we we can catch up on that on next week's episode because um, I I'm not going to give anything away yet, but it's it's a rather long way. Um, so yeah, but um, it's good to reflect. It's good to be nostalgic, and I think the whole thing is it makes me really excited about when this does come back. I'm really excited to see where it goes because I think a lot of people in the UK have taken time to reflect about what's important to them. Um, a lot of people have taken time to reflect on their own mental health. And, you know, I personally believe more than ever that there's there's a, a place in the world for Rental Run. Um, and, you know, if anyone's listening to this that hasn't been to one before, you know, this is a good time to check the map and maybe just drop Elisa a message and find out a little bit more about the area and stuff because I'm not saying when it'll come back, but it might not be a million miles away, right? Absolutely. I would definitely encourage anyone um, to, if you don't currently belong to a run talk run and you don't know who the leader is, just drop the Instagram a DM and we can connect you to the right person um, yeah. or an email if that's preferred. Um, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, Jess, obviously, like what, what are the ways that they can get in touch with us, obviously? Um, so I would suggest if you don't already run with us, um, heading to runtalkrun.com um, to see if there is a run near you. Um, and if it doesn't seem clear, then just use the contact form and I can point you in the right direction um, and put you in touch with the leader. Um, but yeah, the Instagram and yeah, social media is generally the place where you'll find out when we start running again. Yeah, perfect. Well, um, I'm looking forward to this new series. I'm looking forward to to meet. We've got some we've got some great people to talk to. Um, we've got some leaders. Uh, we've got some great people with takes on mental health um, and adventure in the UK. So, um, you know, if you are enjoying the podcast, please do like and subscribe. Uh, if you want to give us a review on iTunes, you obviously can. Um, and yeah, just generally have a have a great week. Uh, and Jess and I will be back next week. Yeah, speak next week. I'll speak next week. See you later. Bye. Bye.